only take financial advice from people who are financially free. Mm. And it's typically not your parents. And it's not Glenn or Dave at work, right? Because that's why they're freaking there all the time. And you're doing the same thing. You gotta get away from that. Yeah. And it's typically also not your CPAs. It's not the lawyers because that's why they have jobs and they haven't figured they're this out. They're working for someone else. Trading time for money. You can mm -hmm. work for whoever, but there's a difference between people who trade time for money. Right. There are a lot of entrepreneurs that say they're free, but at the end of the day, they're trading time for money. And that's the, that's the same thing. And your time is so, so valuable. Right. At some everybody, point, everybody's time is valuable. At some point, if your net worth is under a quarter million dollars, mm -hmm. I would argue that your time is not worth very much. You need to trade some time for some freaking money. Welcome back to Hawaii Real, everybody. I'm your host, Ioka Ehu. And today I have a special guest, Lane Kawoka. He is the owner of the Simple Cash Flow Podcast. Simple Passive. Simple Passive Cash Flow Podcast. That's the important part. Simple Passive. Yeah, it cash doesn't matter what my name is. SimplePassiveCashflow.com is all that really matters. And you're going to find him online. He's also on Instagram, Facebook. Are you on LinkedIn? That's where I found you. Yep. LinkedIn. Check him out. And he's got some awesome stories and some awesome content he has his own podcast you say over 300 episodes i or you've done think 300. so somewhere around there but you've done you've also done over 100 other podcast episodes with other podcasters yep yep a lot of speaking engagements um just trying to change the world a little bit in the financial stuff you know a lot of bad financial advice out there yeah. we, gotta, we gotta fix. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. And you were telling, he was telling me he drove out here and he got here about half an hour early in an Escalade. I like that. Driving stock. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like you'd come in like a Toyota for some reason. I don't know. But an Escalade. So what, what's the story behind the Escalade? Who, story. who doesn't want an Escalade, right? I can't park one for the kill. The, well, they've no. got the God mode uh, cameras from the from the top, so That's it's easy. actually kind of easy. What? Yeah, but I mean, what kid doesn't want to escalate after you see it in all those music videos, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Lane started out creating his own uh, income. He went to school, and you were um, going to school for engineering. You were a civil engineer for a while. Right, right. So I grew up here in Hawaii, went to school, University of Washington, became an engineer. You grabbed from Midpac, though. Yep, good or bad, we are number <laughs> one, right, in terms of cost out there. Yeah. Yeah. So always kind of got grown up in a family that's frugal, just like a lot of fam Hawaiian families here. For some reason, I became an engineer because I was good at math and science when I was like eight or nine. Maybe it was some kumon or something in there, but... That's what I became, a freaking engineer. Right? But when did you want to become an engineer or did you ever want to become an engineer? I don't know if I really wanted to become one. Maybe I do recall like when I was like 12, I mean, there was Google around, but nobody knew about it. But I Googled like, what is the top 10 salaries without mm -hmm. getting a master's or doctorate degree? And it's an engineer. So I'm always trying to find like the easiest way to do things. So I was like, I want to want to go to college once. Because it seems like a lot of work. And I want to get paid the most possible. So that's where the, that engineering Right, because you want to get the about. most bang out of your buck. Right, right. At least I'm out of work, right? That's the biggest <laughs> thing. Would you say you're lazy, though? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe lazy, efficient, whatever you want to call it. Right? I wouldn't say you're lazy at all, though. Just looking at your background and and seeing uh, that you currently own like four thousand property, over four thousand properties. Yep, yep, vanity metrics, though, right? I mean, it all kind of starts with one rental property at right. a time. But a lazy person doesn't get to that. An efficient person, definitely. Right, but it is pretty addicting picking up more properties. Right, puts more money in your pocket every single time and creates that cash flow stream. Yeah, because I was imagining that. How does one person go from owning a property to four thousand properties? You know that I guess for me it was just the number. It kind of blew me away. Yeah, it's kind of out there, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're looking at. I mean, would you call yourself like a real estate mogul? Uh, no, no, no. (laughs) No. You're very humble. Well, I just don't want people to jump in front of my Escalade and sue me. Well, that's you know? true. Huh. I might have to do that after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can try. I don't you own anything. You gave me an idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> I may control everything, but I don't own anything. So if right. you'd like to sue me, good luck. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're also telling me, and we were having this little discussion uh, about renting versus owning a property here in Hawaii or anywhere. You know, and that you currently rent, even though you own all these other properties, you currently are renting. Right. I mean, I mean, we, we can kind of dive into a lot of these, but, you know, I think everything that our parents taught us, right, especially here in old school Hawaii, right, in terms of money, it, it's not what the wealthy do, right? I mean, like the wealthy invest in properties, and I don't really believe people should be buying their primary residence until their net worth is two times at least greater than what the property price of the property is worth wow um i a lot of folks in my group we don't really do retirement accounts 401ks all these supposedly tax advantage accounts um and you know we opt out of the retail investments that are in 401ks and stuff like that i mean all all this started was like i bought a house to live in again following all this financial dogma right yeah um because i was working on the road a lot as a construction supervisor was never home. I was only at that house for a Saturday once a week. I was like, well, this is a little silly, right? So just right. like a millennial kid with his cool car, he puts it up in Toro and he wants to make some money. So I did the same thing. I rented out my property in Seattle. The rents were $2,200 a month. Mm-hmm. The mortgage was $1,600. All I knew as a 20 something year old kid, that was a lot of beer money at the time. <laughs> But after a couple of weeks, I got smart. And I was like, shoot, if I just keep doing this a few more times, I'll be able to quit my day job, fire my boss. So that was kind of the start of it all. And then you just went on from there. So what was, and we talked about like the old school financial dogma that we taught, we were taught as kids from our parents, from the previous generations. What is a big lesson that people today need to kind of avoid or get over or the lesson that maybe we weren't correctly taught growing up about money and owning properties yeah i mean maybe like the first thing is like understanding that there are a diff- there are two sets of rules out there right like there are certain at financial advice from like Susie ormans or the dave ramsey's of the world right where they're telling you don't put any money don't don't go into debt right right but that can hold you back but it applies to like most people. Most people are pretty financially irresponsible and they can't seem to save more money than they make. Yeah, like me, this guy. 
Well, I mean, at least you <laughs> at least you say it, right? But right. a lot of people are you look in their bank account and it's a negative balance every single month. Mm -hmm. And I don't claim to be able to help those people, right? Like I grew up with a lot of good financial skills that ultimately have kind of helped me back a little bit. How cheap we are. We never went to the restaurant and got soft drinks. We don't do that. You get mm -hmm. water, right? Um, I mean, we just did a lot of cheapskate things that maybe I'm not super proud of today, you know? Yeah. But that's ultimately how I was able to save so much money once I got a good paying job. And I parlayed that into buying more and more investments. But most people don't have that, so therefore they should go buy a house to live in because that house becomes like a forced piggy bank for them. Mm -hmm. It kind of keeps mm -hmm. it locked mm -hmm. up for them. Now, most I can grow that money that's locked up in a down payment in debt equity, probably grow at three or four times as much. So it makes total sense for me to arbitrage my money and go buy investments that put money in my pocket. And so I'm not saying that, you know, it depends who you are, right? And that's the, the kind of the paradigm I think that's important to kind of just realize because it's not black and white, right? For some people, these set of rules apply. For other people, these set of rules apply. Like the basic old school rules would be like, you know, invest your money or save your money. Investing money being like stock market and stuff like that. Does that kind of rule still apply or does saving money still apply? Well, I mean, I think you want to invest it, right? But not in like these retail investments and a little bit of a history lesson. I'm kind of butchering this stuff. I don't, the details to me are not super important. Yeah. But go with me on this, okay. right? Like before, like I think it was like the 1980s or so, they never had this 401k type of stuff. The average man did not invest in these mutual funds or these 401k stuff. Not until like, pretty recently that they started to have these types of products that now the common man was able to get into Wall Street type of investments. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of this stuff has become bastardized over and over again where people are putting money into their 401ks and stuck in this cafeteria of bad options, right? I mean, it's, here's the analogy I kind of use a lot. It's like, you know, when you're in high school, you know, you're underclassmen, you don't have the off-campus pass, right? So you're stuck with yeah. the Stuck with the crappy Marriott oh, food feeling, or yeah. like the school lunch, right? <laughs> it's expensive, or at least I was in mid-pack, and it sucked. Yeah. It's it's not very good, right? Once you get your off-campus pass, you're like, peace out. I'm going to go Taco people, Bell. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, you're getting Taco Bell, you're McDonald's, right? I mean, not to say those, that's really great food for your health, but it's better food, better value, right? Okay. Unfortunately, in this world, right, when you're investing in your 401k, you're stuck with these retail investments that's sort of like the cafeteria of options, mm. right? What you want to do is jailbreak your money out of there and invest on your own because, I mean, I found this pretty early on. When I was investing in that first rental property, mm -hmm. I was making like 20 30% on my money every year at least. When you factor in the cash yeah. flow, right, yeah. the mortgage pay down that the tenant is paying down from you, and that again, that's the key difference between when you're owning a house you're paying down your mortgage. Right. When you own properties, your tenants are putting their heart, sweat, and tears, paying down your mortgage, yeah. and you're getting an equity buildup. The third way is your ta the tax benefits. We can get into that in the future, how the wealthy don't really pay too much taxes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then last is like, I mean, you're getting the appreciation, right, from all these properties. So four ways. I mean, if you don't believe me, 
I mean, you can go watch my video. I might do my little whiteboard geeky thing, simplepassivecashflow.com slash returns. Mm -hmm. Check out that video. But 20, 30% at least on a crappy rental that I didn't even think that was that great of a rental. And I look at my like my stock market stuff that everybody tells you to be a good little boy and girl and go into this stuff, invest in your retirement, 401k, and it's like 8 to 10%. I'm like... And you're making 30. Yeah, I'm like WTF, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> So like what, well, what what's about, going on here? So what about the work that you're putting into it? Is it the same amount that you think that a stockbroker or investor is doing or much less? And this is the key differential like between me and my group, right? We're passive investors. Most right. of us are working professionals. We're busy, right? We're not talking. I think people when think of real estate, they, we get clumped into this whole world of like what the HDTV flippers. We're not mm -hmm. flipping houses. We're not wholesaling houses. All that stuff is a J-O-B job, right? You're trading time for money. I would rather trade my time for money at my engineering job. Or a doctor should probably go be doctoring, trading his time there, right? Because it's a higher ROI or mm -hmm. more higher like hourly rate, yeah. right? To use the right terminology. But like when you know, like people get clump us into this world of like wholesalers and flippers and all this other active real estate That's stuff. Not doing, That's man. not what we're doing. Yeah. We're just saving up 20% down payments, putting into prudent properties at cash flow on a monthly basis. So the first thing that we're looking for is this 1% rent to value ratio, right? We're taking the monthly rent divided by the purchase price and we need that to be 1% or higher. If not, we're not even biting on that thing. Mm -hmm. So this automatically takes out we don't invest in Hawaii. We don't invest in Seattle, California, New York, Boston. Interesting. It makes no sense, right? I mean, I mean, we'll use a California example, right? You find a place in California that's four hundred thousand bucks. It's a, probably a piece of junk in a really rough area. Your okay. monthly rents on that's probably be two grand. So two grand divided by four hundred thousand dollars, half a percent. No bueno. Half a percent is less than one percent. We're not biting on that. We're not buying that. We're buying properties that are usually a hundred thousand dollars or less that rent for a thousand dollars a month or more. And that's how you create cash flow. Wow. Okay. So you're not buying super expensive properties necessarily. You're buying yeah. Hundred thousand. Yeah. I mean, they're cheaper, right. right? But I think the big, the bigger thing to look at is like the rent to value ratio, right? right? How much money am I putting down in comparison? To how much income I'm bringing in? Right. But you're also doing this multiplied by hundreds and then thousands of units. Right. For us today, right? right. Once you build up scale. But I kind of want to just break it down for folks like buying your first rental because that's the hardest one. Yeah. Like once you get up to 5, 10, 25, it's easy after that. But the hardest one is that first one. Bringing in that, buying that $100,000 house with 20, 25 grand down payment. And you're bringing in that $1,000 income every month but you got to pay for your repairs your taxes your insurance right uh, you're going to have the tenant move out on you you're going to have all these capex issues happen right what? i want to ask what did your parents think the first time you did this in seattle uh they don't know what i do they think i'm like a freaking real estate no agent, right? really i mean my parents oh, taught me okay. you, you don't let people rent your house because they'll right. screw it up very logical thing yeah. right yeah but that's just not how I think a lot of people are, right? They want to buy really fancy houses. And, you know, that's the other thing. We kind of cater towards workforce housing. Mm. So there's different classes of properties. So we don't go to the high-end luxury. Okay. And we don't go to the war zone stuff, but we stay in the middle, right? The blue-collar, hard-working, prof like, not professional, but blue-collar 
workforce housing type of person. Mm-hmm. So on the mainland, you know, these are the guys paying six hundred bucks to fourteen hundred dollars a month rent. So your parents don't know. <laughs> they understand. Like, they, well, they don't understand, but they know you're into housing, buying, and selling houses. They know they know that you're. They they know all these properties. They know I'm not know. working my engineering job. I'm sure they're a little concerned. Really? Are they wondering like what did we send them the mid pack for? Yeah, we never had that discussion. Right. Okay. Just they don't understand. You know why waste your time? You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it, you're right. It, it is a generational thing, and I think even going forward, when I look at my kids, like, what are they going to be doing that I'm not going to understand? You know, in the next 10, 15 years, when they're out of college and doing some newfangled thing, and they tell me, "Hey, Dad, this is what I'm doing." I'm like, "What? Are you sure you should be buying renting properties?" They're like, "Nope, that's old school. You should be doing this." Yeah, I mean, right now, like Bitcoin's a big thing. Oh. I, I mean, I, I do think it's like the new frontier. But I feel like when people are under half a million dollars net worth, you need to invest for cash flow because you cannot sustain a failure. If Douchecoin takes a dump next week. You're screwed, yeah. right? The only prudent way to build wealth is with cash flow, right? Who's that? Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's buddy. Mm-hmm. Like his famous quote is like, how do you, well, Warren Buffett's quote is, how do you ensure you don't lose money? Well, that's with cash flow, right? How do you see yourself and how do you define success for you personally? And are you there yet? Um, no, I'm still in growth mode, trying to just keep buying more properties at cash flow on a monthly basis is the game plan. Do you have an end goal? Um, yeah, I mean, ideally help out people get financially free too. help them do the same thing. Um, I, I know money is a, a tool. The more money you have, the more you can magnify your impact. Um, so until I figure out where I want to shoot the, shoot the radon gun, I'm going to keep making more money so I can buy a bigger gun. So, no, I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, right? That, and that's the grind phase, right? Yeah. So you're still in the grind phase. You're still in the growth phase. You're still building your empire. Do you do you see yourself as building an empire? Uh, you, sh- sure, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, what, what, <laughs> what would you call it? Um, I don't know, just picking up more properties at cash flow. I mean, it's just... Like since the beginning, right? Since when one first property mm-hmm. and then 2000, the first property was 2009. I got up to 11 around 2015. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a while to kind of get that first initial push. But after a while, I mean, it's obviously getting easier just by sure number count. So what, what got you into doing, say, 20 after you did 10? And then 100 after you did 20. Yeah, so there was a big pivot point after I got up to 11 rental properties. Um, actually, there was a big pivot point after I had a few rental properties in Seattle, right? And that was the point where I realized sophisticated investors invest for cash flow. They don't invest for ca- capital appreciation. I mean, if the property goes up in price, cool. But I consider that gambling, and I don't gamble mm-hmm. with my money. I only go into deals that cash flow, like I said. Mm-hmm. So I realized that Seattle, around 2012, I started to realize that, you know, like Seattle is more of an appreciation market. And if I want cash flow, I need to go to more of a secondary market like Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Memphis, Little Rock, Jacksonville, pouring ass places like that. Right? South, yeah. Right. Sunbelt states. Um, so I bought a property in Birmingham 
tried it out. I didn't go visit it. I didn't see it. It was just kind of a test and it worked and I sold the Seattle properties and then I had 11 in 2015, five in Atlanta, four in Birmingham, one in Indianapolis and one in Pennsylvania. Did you visit the Birmingham one eventually? Eventually. Okay. Hey, okay. Hey, yeah. We don't want to be super irresponsible <laughs> here because at that time people, I was helping people buy single family homes remotely uh -huh. back in 2015. So it would be a little irresponsible for me to, you know, do that. Okay, off, off subject <laughs> a little bit because I love Birmingham. What did you think of Birmingham as a city? Uh, I mean, it's it's the South. It's a little bit behind on the times. Um, but that's why it's a great place to invest. I mean, we invest in red states. Um, not the same thing politically, but when I'm the landlord, I want the laws to be on my side. Mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I grew up in a household where we understood if you don't if you don't pay, you can't stay. You know. Yeah. I took a couple trips to Birmingham uh, for work purposes, and I thought it was absolutely beautiful. It was it was not what I was expecting a southern city to look like. You know, flying over, uh, landing into Birmingham, and it's just a carpet of forest, just green from eye to eye, horizon to horizon, as far as you can see, just flat green forest, and then there's a city that just kind of pops out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's where like. When I bought my first rental property there and I went and actually visited it, <laughs> that was one of the things that kind of stuck out. Like, it's not like you think of like Compton or these inner city no, areas, yeah, right? Where houses are right next to each other. Kind of like even in Hawaii, right? Like Kapolei or, or Aea, Pearl City, like houses are right there. And mm -hmm. you have so much, houses are so much in proximity. So you have some kind of cr inner crime. There's just so much people. Yeah. But in Birmingham or a lot of these Midwestern, Southern states that we buy in, the houses are very spread apart, yeah, and it, it has a very good feeling, even for like a Class B type of area, right? Even Class C areas. I mean, if you look around, it's a nice, you know, quiet street that there's high pride of ownership even amongst the renters there. Mm. Yeah, I noticed when I was in Birmingham, like the one thing that always stood out was that even between uh, shopping centers or gas stations or apartment buildings or something, there was like tall trees a lot of forest in between everything so wherever you went it kind of you know outside the city proper it's like you're in the forest right he's like dude there could be like animals out there just gonna come out and grab you yeah and and i don't know it's crazy for like people that live in california hawaii seattle yeah i mean most people live in properties that are under 100 120 thousand yeah. dollars a year we're the crazy ones that pay Three hundred, six hundred thousand dollars for a starter home. Right, but we have the beach year-round. Great weather, right? Hawaii. Right. Well, live where you want, but invest where the numbers make sense. Right. And yeah. So, as far as Hawaii, what do you, what do you love about Hawaii, personally? Um, so yeah, once I had um, my portfolio up to a decent size, and I was able to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of career-wise, I didn't really need my day job anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's when I kind of looked. I always wanted to move back home. This is where I grew up. Um, I like Hawaii because you, you, it's not really that rat race, the buy the fancy car. Um, it, there's not really like, you know, the more, 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 more. Mm -hmm. Hawaii is a, pl a great place to be complacent if you have money and you've kind of reached a certain point in your life. It's obviously hard for a lot of people that a complacency can work against you if you haven't kind of done anything mm -hmm. yet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's I like the weather here. Seattle was just too cold yeah. after a while. And 
family and friends are here. So this is what I call home base. Do you go to the beach? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was asking him off camera. I was like, what are your hobbies? He's like, not at work. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, <laughs> growing up here, I never went to the beach very much. I mean, I, we were, I, I was study, study to go to college one yeah. day. That was kind of the, the shtick that we were grow, growing up with. Do you have siblings? Yeah. Do they do the same thing that you do right now? Um, have they, have they no. bought into it? No. Um, they don't need to. They make a pretty good salary. Mm. They don't need to, right? And that's the key ingredient for a lot of this stuff. Why They always say, well, why do so many engineers do this real estate investing thing? Right. Like, well, that's interesting. I think the first reason is obvious, right? Which I don't think is the primary thing, which I'll get to. But the first thing is like, well, engineers are pretty decent with numbers. Mm-hmm. They know how to put together a spreadsheet. But you know what? This real estate investing thing isn't rocket science, right? People can, I mean, if people want, they can go to my website, grab my free analyzer, which can underwrite a single family home pretty simply. Um, it has inputs and outputs, everything you need there. Uh, simplepassacashflow.com slash analyzer. Download for free. Okay. And you'll see it's not, it's not amazing, right? It's, it's not that complicated. You don't need a freaking engineering degree to do this stuff, right? You just need to kind of know how to use a calculator, right? Um, but I think the reason why so many engineers do this real estate investing thing is we're the highest paid profession that will never like drive a fancy car with an engineering degree. I mean, a lot of us graduate with pretty decent salaries, but your, your tr- career trajectory, and especially in pay, will kind of peter out. It's nowhere near like a dentist, a doctor, or a pharmacist. A lot of those traditionally higher paying jobs. Um, I like to think we're the smartest, lower, smartest, lowest paid people out there. <laughs> so there's that. What is that? What is this distilled down to? Right. It's the pain point. Right. People don't change unless there's a reason to do it. A pain. Right. I need to send my kids to college. I need to, you know, my spouse ran off and now took half. Right. Um, there's some pain point. Right. Um, people come to me and there's always some pain point, the reason why they mm-hmm. went to simple passive cash flow, right? Something there was a happened. reason why they Googled something that, that got them out of their comfort zone. And what I try and do is I try and give them the, the education and the quick things to do, the quick wins to get them down this path of owning real estate to get the feedback loop going. Because unfortunately, you know, humans are very resilient. After a few months, that pain resides. Right. And they start to get comfortable back again. And they just regress. Yeah. Right. And they go back to the same old, same old, and the same old thing will happen. And we know what's going to happen. They're just going to keep working at their job for 40 to 50 years and maybe retire. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad life. You're in Hawaii, right? You got the beach. It ain't bad. But, but I mean, you're, you're trying to help people get a better life than what they've had and what, they're, what they think they're capable of. Right. And they, are, and they are very capable of it. And it's very simple. And real estate is the one entrepreneur thing out there that I think anybody can do. Most entrepreneur things out there are pretty freaking difficult, mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. opinion. You need some kind of a skill set and you need to get lucky. Real estate, especially the type of real estate I do, all you need to have is a little bit of money. 20 to 30 grand to go buy a house, down payment, government subsidized, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac debt, and go get a property manager who puts in a tenant for you. That's it. You don't need to be a genius. You just need to have a little bit of money to get over that barrier to entry. And that barrier to entry is very important because that keeps everybody, all the kids out of this, right? Not anybody can just save $20,000. Right. 
but it's, so you're, getting, you're narrowing it down to the serious people, right? And it and it kind of keeps that competition level down, mm-hmm. right? Anybody when anybody can do it, like buy a Bitcoin, that's when you don't want to be in the game. I only want to be in something that I have an unfair advantage in. If not, I'm not playing. So you are in it for the infinite game. Yeah, I mean, you know, like uh, who's it? Like Tom Brady. He keeps yeah. winning Super Bowls. Why not just keep spinning it, right? Just, just keep playing if you're winning. Right. People people are asking him if he's going to retire after this last this last win. He's like, why? <laughs> yeah. And same thing with you. I mean, it's like, why would you ever stop? Like, do you have a retirement plan or a plan for retirement? Or are you just going to keep doing this until your day's done? Yeah, you know, I mean, this, you know, I think that's that brings up another, like, bad financial myth out there right people think of their retirement account i mean what's there's this uh, idea of like they call it accumulation theory right where you build up a chunk of money and you you put in your 401k you let it load up to maybe two million dollars by the time you retire so you can withdraw it at four percent now this is again accumulation theory so you accumulate a pile of money and you you draw off the remains which sucks because when you reach that retirement end zone you're going to be like eating away at your pile, yeah. right? Like a squirrel with his nuts. Yeah, He's going to be running out of nuts at some point. And that's right? what you got until you die. Right. What we, what we want to switch people to is this cash flow, yeah. this regenerative wealth model, right? Where you're buying a rental property and that creates cash flow stream for you, right? And the cool thing is for a lot of people who have good paying jobs, they don't need to eat that cash flow stream. Mm-hmm. So what do they do with the cash flow stream? We'll go save up to buy the next rental property quicker and kind of steamroll this forward. It sounds very like obvious, but this is what the people do, which is the complete opposite, right? What we're doing is all every one of these little rental properties or syndication deals, what we're doing is we're building up these mini streams of pensions, right? In fact, I'm more diversified than most people out there because I've got a shit ton of diversified mini streams of income. Yeah. Right? 4,000 of them. Or so. <laughs> I mean, I, it's just it just seems like one big one, right? Right. But, like, this is kind of the... I mean, if you kind of stop, stop and think about this, mm-hmm. like, this is, a, this is a pretty prudent way of doing things. And this is the way I think. I think like this is what sets me apart is like I, I'm a questioner. I always question like why are we doing it like that? Mm-hmm. Why would we put blindly put our money into the 401k just because Cliff and Dave at work who are nearing retirement are giving it, they're doling out all this bad financial advice to the younger kids at work. Why would we, why would we do that, right? And this is like me when I was starting to become a rental property owner, right? And then I started to realize like only take financial advice from people who are financially free. Mm. And it's typically not your parents. And it's not Glenn or Dave at work, right? Because that's why they're freaking there all the time. And you're doing the same thing. You got to get away from that. Yeah. And it's typically also not your CPAs. It's not the lawyers because that's why they have jobs. And they haven't figured this out. They're working for someone else. Trading time for money. You can Mm -hmm. work for whoever, but there's a difference between people who trade time for money, right? There are a lot of entrepreneurs that say they're free, but at the end of the day, they're trading time for money. And that's that's the same thing. And your time is so, so valuable. Right. At some everybody, point. Everybody's time is valuable. At some point. If your net worth is under a quarter million dollars, mm-hmm. I would argue that your time is not worth very much. You need to trade some time for some freaking money mm-hmm. to get that money so that that money can go into some assets to then regenerate some money for you. And at that point, 
when your net worth grows, then time is more valuable. I was thinking along the lines of you may get into a car accident this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow, you know, the family member may pass, you know, time is relative. It's also finite and some things will happen. And so it bottles down to, if you know you have limited time in your life, what are you going to do with that time? Are you going to waste it away working for someone else that you despise working at a job that you hate? You know. That's what I did for nine, yeah. nine, eleven years, yeah. and but that was a necessary means to the end for me. I people ask me, "Oh, you wasted your time at your engineering job." But it wasn't. It wasn't. Well, that was the best, highest, and best use for my time, and that was where I got the biggest trade for my time to make money to go mm. parlay that into investments, and that was the key. I did learn a few things from project management skills, construction, blah blah sure. blah, blah. But all that aside, I mean. Did you have purpose when you were doing that, though? Or are you thinking back as you are now to when I was an engineer, that's what I was doing? Or when you were an engineer, where, was that your mindset? Maybe for the first six months, and I became jaded. Okay. But definitely <laughs> once I bought that first rental property, yeah. and especially because, like two, three years later when I had a few rental properties, I started to see the light. And I was like, yeah, I'm making more money than my boss, my boss's boss. This is, at some point, I mean, it's just math. Right. Mm -hmm. Once you build enough like like mass, like it, it it the system the system is is created to kind of keep us all working forever. Yeah. Right. Why is it that somebody can just with little expertise buy a rental property and run it passively as they work their full time day job, and they want everybody to put their money in all this stock market stuff? Right. The, the system is engineered to keep us all working. If all of us just bought a few rental properties in this room, you guys could just drink beers and do whatever in five to ten years, right? But the system cannot function like that. Right. If we Everybody all can't do that. Yeah. Who would build our bridges? Who would get our coffee? You know, right. who society would not function, yeah. right? And maybe yeah, that's yeah. a pessimistic viewpoint. But it's real. It probably is, right? So the system is engineered to have everybody go buy a house to live in, invest their 401k in this stuff, put blindly put into Wall Street products where you just get robbed to death with all these fees, right? And they try and scare you, right? You don't want to do a round of property. They'll, they'll, people screw up your house, right? Don't invest in this stuff. It's super complicated. Let us manage it for you, right? Mm. I don't know. That's just... <laughs> I mean, a lot of this I've gotten from like, you know, when I got to 11 rental properties... I started to join different masterminds, pay a lot of money to get into different groups with other high net worth um, working professionals and professional investors at that point. And, you know, up to that point, I was kind of just moving very slowly, right? Um, took me, what, seven years to get 11 rentals. I contribute all my recent success today is like the people, your network is your net worth. The secrets that these guys do, how they manage their money, is very different than what is normally talked out there. The, the frustrating thing for me is what I kind of do uh, is my passion project today is like, how do I like distill this down for regular folks? Because it's very simple. It's something that you could just make the change like in one minute, right? You could just get a whole life infinite banking policy, overfund it, even though that's everything that Dave Ramsey and et cetera told you not to do. But there's always a little twist on when do you do it and how you do it. The quote from Wayne Gretzky, uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And that's kind of the same thing that you were you were talking about and going into with um, not necessarily mindset, but like getting out of the box and doing this, just just doing this. The stick is 
the puck is on your stick and the ball is in your hands, you know, as the player, it's up to you now to get in the game. Right. And, and some people like you, you're offering your services and you're out there and you're offering all your knowledge and wealth of expertise uh, up there for people to grab onto. Yeah. I mean, I, I put together a large apartment syndication, so not everybody can work with me. But what I would like is, you know, that's why I put all the content out there for free. Yeah. This ain't no run to the back of the room, kind of fly by night education program that costs 20, 30 grand. This is a free, I have a free podcast that teaches the people this. Yeah. You want to buy a rental property? Go listen to my first 12 podcasts. If you can't listen to 12 podcasts, a lot of them are two or three minutes long. I'm sorry. This ain't for you, yeah. right? Yeah, Financial freedom is not for everybody. Right. Right. But if you can learn, learn a little bit about it, educate yourself, download the analyzer, look at some properties. Right. And you just get started. Right. It, it, it's not that difficult. I mean, that's why it's simple. Pass the castle door for a reason. It's very simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. That's a good quote, too. I like that. Do you have a quote that you always abide by? Um, it's not easy or simple. I think that's where a lot of it stems from. I mean, a lot of, especially like the, the things that the wealthy do, they're just very simple, right? But who, who would have thought? And in what, in what order, right? That's the prescription. Right. Because they're not necessarily geniuses that invented something great that the world uses. They're using processes to create that income. Right. And they know how things work, tax-wise, money-wise, and they know how to navigate it the right way. Yeah. But it's nothing that anybody who's not connected can't learn on the internet these yeah. days, right? Um, and I, I think that's, if, if there's anything, I mean, real estate anybody can do. It's not rocket science. Um, you need a little bit of money to get started. If you have credit card debt, you probably should work on that first because I don't know how to help you on that. Yeah. Right. But if you can pr kind of prudently put away some money and, you know, get 20 grand, you can buy a buy and hold rental. And that's the start. That's the whole start. That's the it. start to the journey to simple passive right. cash flow. All right. Any last words for us at the Hawaii Reel? Oh, no, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. That has been super, super great and a great learning experience talking with you. I'm so happy you came on. Yeah. You know, even off camera, you've been talking about a whole slew of things that are just great, great advice. And, yeah, wealth of knowledge. Definitely reach out to Lane and his uh, website, simplepassivecashflow.com. Yeah. All right. Cool, guys. All right, everybody, stay happy, Hawaii.